during the days we've um, there's a word that we use I mean, ordinary word in many ways we sort of know what we mean when we use this word sort of and yet it can also be mysterious if we really try to contemplate so the word is experience talking a lot about that meeting experience, exploring experience, understanding experience. What what exactly is experience? I'm not, of course, looking for some kind of intellectual definition, but just right now, just confronted, here we are, all of us, we're confronted constantly with our experience. And on the one hand, it's very that's very obvious. And on another, on the other hand, because it's so all permeating, right? Every single moment that we're conscious is a moment of experience. Experience, we might say, is the very kind of you know the medium we're in. We're swimming in experience. We're living in experience. So much so that we either don't notice or we don't choose or we don't have the capacity to kind of actually relate to our experience, understand experience, look at experience, because we're so much in it. So I thought I'd like to just explore, firstly, what what is experience? And I'd like to reference uh, one of the Buddha's ways of looking at that. And then also to kind of chart a, a course th- through experience. So, sort of what is experience and how might we um, go through experience? And there's a sort of threefold progression through that that I'd like to um, explore. Three aspects which we, we might, and we'll see as we go, we might call aspects of purifying experience transforming experience and, um, and living freely within experience. So the, the, the word in Pali, word the Buddha used that most closely corresponds with what we, the word we use experience, is Nama Rupa. Nama Rupa, two-part word. Nama Rupa means name and form. Name and form. Experience is made up of these two aspects. And the two are subdivided into five. You don't need to remember, certainly not the Pali words. So there's this form to any experience. And then there's the, the... the naming of it, uh, relating to it, the recognizing of it, the knowing of it, etc. And one of the interesting things in the in the in the Buddhist tradition, actually in the Asian traditions generally, is that we don't, there's not really making any difference between what we might call outer experience and inner experience. We have a particular way of understanding our 
sensory apparatus which makes a, a quite strong distinction between outer experience and inner dis experience. We speak about having five senses, right? seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, what's the other one? Smelling. Is that right? Did I say that one twice? Yeah. And then we have another thing which we think is the maha, the, the sort of in charge, the controller of those senses, which we call the mind. Or if we're rather fixated on the material, we might even call the brain. So when something comes to us through one of those five senses, when something is seen or heard, or tasted, touched, we, we tend to think of that or, as or call that an outer experience. <coughs> and then when something comes to the mind, a thought, a feeling, a memory, an idea, an image, etc., we tend to call that an inner experience. And that's part of the way we, we live in a world of inner and outer. Sights are outer, thoughts are inner. But in the uh, <coughs> when the Buddha speaks about our sensory apparatus, mind is a sense organ in the same way that uh, the other five are because it actually works in the same way. Right? Sights come to the ear and the known. Sounds come to the ear and the known. Smells come to the nose and the known, etc. In the same way, thoughts come to the mind and are known. So experience sort of arrives in a way that naturally doesn't have much distinction between what we call outer and what we call inner. We might come back to that piece uh, later on, but so I think it's worth holding in mind. Right? Sort of arbitrary that we make up, maybe let's say, maybe it's arbitrary that we make up that kind of distinction. So, Nama Rupa, name and form, experience, has five components, right? the way Buddha unpacks it. All experience, whether it's what we call outer or what we call inner, has five components. The first is the form. Right? Whether it's um, a visual form or an audio form, right? or whether it's a thought form or a feeling form, and something appears and, sorry, rupa, then along with whatever appears, there's a vedana, there's a feeling about what appears. Right? We like it, or we don't like it, or we feel rather neutral about it. Those are the only three flavours experience has, might have them more or less intensely. But all forms appear with a certain felt tone to them. And when a form appears, have a response to it, it's pleasant. Or have a response to it being unpleasant. 
or we have a response to it being neutral. Actually, we don't have much of a response. That is the response to the neutral, right? Mm -hmm. Don't really mind. Don't really care. It doesn't really impact much. We tend to not notice the neutral. If something's pleasant, you notice it. If it's very pleasant, you really notice it. If something is unpleasant, well, you notice that. If it's really unpleasant, you really notice it. If it's neutral, you don't notice it. And if it's really neutral, you really don't notice it. <laughs> right? Example I often give is your elbow. Just feel your elbow. Right? <laughs> it's really neutral. You really don't notice it. You really can't be bothered to keep your attention there. You're really dull. <laughs> That's what neutral is like. Unless you're maybe, you know, you're a little bit squashed or something. And it might be unpleasant. Or if someone's delicately caressing your elbow. Mm -hmm. Might be pleasant. But I don't see any of that going on. <laughs> so, all the sensory, the six, in this case, sensory forms, right, have um, a feeling tone that appears with them. The feeling tone doesn't belong to the object. Right? Something that appears as pleasant to one person might be unpleasant to another. Take a piece of music and put it on. Oh, some people like it, some people don't like it. Others might be neutral. But, but the, the feeling just, the feeling about something appears as part of the experience. And the experience experiences are momentary, fleeting, forming moment by moment. And when we unpack them, we can notice, oh, there's a, there's a form that appears. Then there's the Vedana, the feeling about the form. Then there's the Sanya, just saying these Pali words for those who track that stuff, no need to. And the perception or cognition. Right? And that's really the part where the form is recognized. So, it might be, again, it might be a visual form. So I come in, I sit down, I look at you, and oh, so there's the form. Oh, and the feeling, well, pleasant, of course. Oh, I love you. And then there's the, the cognition. It's like, I also I recognize you. Right? And so the, 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 the perception is actually quite sophisticated elements of experience coming there. We're drawing on memory, right? like specific memory. I was here earlier this evening and you were the same people, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's a specific memory. But also even general memory. Human beings, you kind of look familiar. And even if I'd gone in and come out, there's a whole bunch of other people, right? I would be able to recognize that they were more or less human. So there's that part, the perception, that kind of the, the way we make, make sense of our forms. Right? If, there wasn't, if there wasn't the perception, if the cognition wasn't available to us, like even the visual form, just, imagine, just, just sense your visual field now. Right? The colours, the shapes, the light. Right? Imagine if you had no cognition, if you weren't accessing memory at all. Just be like a kind of abstract painting. Right? Just be blobs of colour and you know, a lot of orange from where I'm sitting. <coughs> funny, synthetic shawls you've all got. Just kind of blobs of colour, movement. 
be very hard to make sense of experience. But oh, but that, that's an so that's an important element of experience, right? Our perception, cognition, recognition, and so that can either be the form of of, of knowing, even if it's knowing that we don't know. Right? Sometimes we don't know what something is. Those, those, sometimes you see um, some photograph of something. I don't know where I've seen this, but you see something in close-up, and it slowly zooms out, and you're supposed to guess what it is. I think it's on a TV show or something. Right? Question of sport. Remember that? When I was a kid, I used to have like, the close-up of a cricket player's ear or something, and then you'd slowly zoom out until you could recognise the cricket player. Right? So there's the form, there's the feeling, maybe neutral maybe and coming out what is that what is that sometimes we, we the the knowing is the perception is that we don't know and maybe sometimes you know you wake up from a nap and you're disorientated you don't know where you are and even sometimes you don't know who you are right? you don't know whether it's morning or afternoon i have this quite often actually because i travel a lot I'm always waking up in a new place, a new bed, and jet lag. I don't know if I did it. I lie there wonder, in wonder that I don't know anything. You know? It's very interesting. Often, actually, it's, it can be a little anxious, and we sort of try to reassert perception. There's a form there we can see, right? But we're trying to reassert where am I? Is it morning or afternoon? Actually, I like to just lie there and kind of just allow the not knowing and wait for the usual formatting of experience to just reassemble itself. So, form and then the feeling about the form and the perception of the form and then the sankara the next part right, the bit where we are, where we story our experience, we fill in the gaps Right. So as well as just recognizing, oh yeah, I sort of know where I am, then there's, a, there's the added information. You know, oh yeah, I'm Martin, I'm teaching a retreat. Oh, yeah, kind of so these people need to talk from me, I'm here to say something. Right. And often the way we story, and some kind of sankara literally means construct or concept, but Often that's referring a lot to the to kind of the habitually um, developed constructs that we've got. So when we find ourselves in a situation, we kind of you know we ha- we have a story based on how that kind of thing has gone before for us, or based on the the hopes or expectations that we may have built up, etc. So it's sort of habit-informed ideas of what's happening. And that really fills out what we call experience. So the form that appears, the feeling about it, the cognition of what's happening, then the the uh, description or interpretation of what's happening. And then the final element of experience is vijnana, consciousness. There's the, the consciousness that's actually able to register the whole thing. And those, those five uh, elements, 
sometimes in the tradition they're called the five aggregates, and the five composites, I'd prefer to use that, the, the five composites of experience. Rupa, Vedana, Sanya, Sankara, Vedana. Form, feeling, perception, uh, thought formations, and consciousness. So that's sort of the Buddhist, the Buddha's model of what perception is when we unpack it. And usually we don't unpack it because just you know just busy with it. Bing, 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 bing. And a lot of what Dharma practice is doing, and certainly the meditative element of Dharma practice, it's sort of learning to enter into and explore experience rather than what we were speaking about this morning, just bouncing around between experiences. Or or more precisely, we can now say, bouncing around between form impressions and bouncing around between the the feeling impacts they have and then the the recognition of what's happening and the, the storying of it with the consciousness just sort of being the background against which all those, all that bouncing, all those impressions are registering. So, like we've been saying since the beginning, this process of kind of entering into and inhabiting um, this field of experience. This field of experience. And there's different uh, ways of doing that. The most primary way is by entering into the body field. That might seem a strange way to speak. I'm actually borrowing the term body field from Ajahn Suchito, one of my teachers. And when I heard him use that term, body field, I found it very useful. Because we tend to speak about body as if it's a thing. The body or my body. And we mean this shaped thing. But the meditative relationship to body isn't a relationship with a thing. It's the relationship with a field of experience. Body is dynamic. Body is alive. Body is fluid. Body is a ceaseless dance of sensation and vibration, temperature, density. Body is that kind of, uh, the world of breath, for example, that constant expansiveness and relaxation, the rising and falling, expanding and sinking. So the experiential body doesn't, doesn't appear as a thing. And what we call experience then, whether it comes through, whether it's what we call sensory experience, what we see, what we hear, what we touch, etc., or whether it's what we call in Western tradition inner experience, what comes to the mind. It's happening here in this field of experience. And that's been a lot of our practice these days, right? Coming into this field of experience abiding in this field of experience, settling into the body field, learning to really have our attention be here 
inside this alive, physical, sensory existence. And we have the impression at the big, uh, at first to keep on bouncing out. Right? It's only an impression because you can't actually leave your body. Try. Right? Try and be over there. Right? And then I can go, oh, well, now I'm still here. And then go here, oh, I'm still here. Right? It's only impression. The impression of elsewhere happens here. Right? The experience, the form and the feeling and the perception, etc., of other times and other places and other situations and other possibilities, all that sense of uh, elsewhere happens here. So we can settle into that in a, in a very visceral, physical way. And that process, we can, we can look at that in different ways. It's what we've been practicing very much these days, settling into the body field starts to have certain effects on our experience. It's what I meant when I said at the beginning, this threefold process, the first part being a sort of purificatory process. We find as we settle into the body field, we find, well, different things. One, we find pockets of discomfort, heat, pressure, intensity, Sometimes that's related to the meditation posture, particularly if you're on the floor, right? A certain intensity or discomfort, maybe in your knees or your ankles. You know, it's quite normal because those bits are under some pressure. But there's actually plenty of other discomforts that don't have anything to do with your posture. Whether you're on the floor, whether you're on a chair, a lot of meditative discomfort happens well aware in the back, the shoulders, in the neck, right, in the chest. None of those places are under any pressure. It's sitting around a bit. And yet, wow, wow, wow. Right. We treat like this to a certain extent, actually there's a, there's some there's some ease from those because you've got the added advantage of doing movement practice. Right? Movement practice, which helps, as well as it really helps you to inhabit the body field more fully. And you're using you know, sensation, you're using movement in different parts of the body to, to inhabit more fully the body field. But you're also, movement also allows you, allows the kind of energy to move more freely within the body field. So that's a great support, and yet still, Listen to you speaking today about you know, intensity of discomfort in your back or your shoulders or wherever. And often what we're finding as we kind of bring ourselves in, right, in other, as we, rather than just bouncing around between experiences, as we come inside the theatre of experience, right, this body here. Sort of create a certain kind of pressure cooker kind of environment. We're not dispersing ourselves so much here and there, this and that. Meeting it here, and all the ways in which we've gotten kind of tense or locked up or defended or fearful 
or resistant, right? we start to kind of just to feel those, usually as places of heat, pressure, discomfort, tension, etc. And there's something about just gently inhabiting and re-inhabiting and re-inhabiting the body field that allows those to start to move. We may not understand as they move exactly what it was that got freed up. And we may struggle quite a lot with it. And people are speaking today about, no, I'm trying to be with it so that it'll go away. Right? Oh, I'm trying to breathe into it so that it'll disappear. That's part of the struggle. We use the language of being with as a sort of spiritual version, spiritual language for basically resistance. Right? There's the view that I'll, oh, I'll feel it so that it'll go away. Right? Basically still wishing it absent. But we learn to just to soften around that. We learn to kind of bear with that discomfort. We learn to actually abide kind of gently and spaciously with discomfort and it starts to move. Naturally, the very sense of heat or pressure or tension arising in the body field is that stuff starting to open up, sort of crack and move and get more fluid. And when something starts to move after a long time of being frozen, it generates heat and generates discomfort. And it changes over time. The body field starts to feel very directly more fluid, more accessible, more pleasant. Even if there's some specific discomfort, the general feel of being here, being in a body, it's like starts to feel like there's a certain rightness to it start to feel the way body itself is sort of like, body is glad to be alive. And, and, and the, the, the natural fluidity and aliveness of body is kind of a confirmation of that. So being embodied, being present in the body field starts to feel like a blessing, like a relief, like, oh, like home. Like somewhere we're glad to be, somewhere we're at ease, somewhere that's much simpler than all that bouncing around that we used to do. So that's part of how the sort of purificatory element of experience happens, right? Through the body field. There's also areas of numbness sometimes. What's happening in a particular part, sometimes belly, the whole belly area? So what's happening there? Nothing. What kind of nothing? What a stupid question. What kind of nothing? Nothing, nothing. <laughs> but actually, it's an interesting question. What kind of nothing? Oh. That which appears first as a complete absence or numbness or lack. It's interesting that the experience of nothing is just as much an experience as the experience of something. You can actually go into the experience that feels like the nothing is nothing down here. Okay, what kind is it like? Does it have any temperature? Is it a cold kind of nothing? Is it a dark kind of nothing or a light kind of nothing? 
And we start to kind of, what initially appeared as nothing, starts to reveal a little more of itself. And it's another way in which the kind of the aliveness of the body field can come online somehow. And that's one of the ways we kind of really enter into this field of experience. So is it the one the way we sense experience, that we live experience, that we we really viscerally understand that experience is here, and that even a an experience, a perception, a sight, a sound from way, 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 way over there, what we call over there, is nevertheless it's appearing here in the body field. There's a sense that, oh, the whole world, actually, can come to me. The usual idea is that I move through the world. I move through life. But actually, a more meditative uh, sense of things can be quite the opposite. Here's awareness, embodied awareness, and the whole of life appears here, reveals itself here, unfolds here. As we get established in the body field, we can also kind of expand from just the, what's initially being focused on just as sort of a physical or energetic experience. And that's particularly within the um, rupa and the vedana that we're attending to. The forms that appear and the feeling about them, the liking or not liking. And then we start to expand, we could say, or include the chitta field. Chitta, again, is a Pali word, we could sort of translate as mind, but it's equally translatable as heart, actually. And so sometimes chitta is translated as heart-mind, which is a little clumsy. It's basically the, the nama parts of of experience, right? actually make room for the perceptions, for the emotional life, for the story, and for how we're feeling about what's happening, how we're relating to what's happening, or reacting to what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the sense of the chitta, in terms of that, the vijnana, the consciousness, just the feeling of being here as the knowing. And it's not that the chitta field is in any way separate from the body field. It's not we move from, oh, I was in the body, now I'm going to the mind. Where would that be? Where are you going to go to? It's rather that we start to include that realm of experience that as well as being physical and feeling has all this other dimension to it. The dimension in which I start to really perceive experience, understand experience, respond to experience. The, 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 the dimension where I really, where I like or don't like experience. That dimension where we can feel the chitta, right, the, again the field of our experience, being coloured in different ways. 
like we spoke about this morning, the colouring of different mind states, the shape or the texture of different mind states. Until we sit in this field of experience, which is you know, a body field, an alive, visceral relationship with what's happening, and which is also a chitta field, right? a conscious, um, uh, a processing field of experience. We're constantly processing what's happening. And as we do, as we do our processing, some of it, right, the habit processing, the sankharas, we notice that a lot of our habitual processing isn't very optimal. It's not very smooth, it's not very harmonious. We do a lot of processing that's sort of niggly. We fuss with our experience, complain about our experience, we push and pull with our experience, we judge our experience. And it's, that also can be quite uncomfortable. And now it's not so much the physical discomfort of inhabiting the chitta, the body field, as as the kind of mental and emotional discomfort of being confronted with one's own self, one's own heart habits, mind habits. Often there's a, it's like, kind of spiky, we feel well, different elements. One is which we feel the way our mind is kind of trying to jump out, trying to jump out, trying to jump out, going there to that. What about this? What about that? What about her? What about them? What about... And yet if we're grounded in, the, the, in this field of experience here, we start to really, really get it in, on the level of the chitta, on the level of our consciousness. That we don't need to go anywhere. That we actually can't go anywhere. And all our thinking, all our feeling is meetable here. Another part of what happens as we just stay in the chitta field with experience is we start to actually recognize the ca- uh, how counterproductive our mind activity is. We start to actually recognize that those aggressive thoughts or doubtful thoughts or critical thoughts or, uh, uh, you know, that they're painful. It's almost like, you know, the, the, the general field of our chitta is getting sort of poked or stabbed or, 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 or squeezed or, or thumped by our own thoughts. Oh yeah, but you're oh my dear. And those kind of niggles, they may point at other people, you know, sometimes, but may most often actually and most painfully point at ourselves. It's, it can actually feel like sitting here literally, I mean that's the expression we have, right? Beating what beating oneself up. Right? And generally we're not being no one in I haven't seen anyone in here beating themselves up on the level of the body field. Right. But you almost might as well be doing that. Right. If body field was to express the chitta field, we'd be like poking ourselves in the eye <laughs> as, we, as we sit here. 
sense into the, the chitta filter, just the, the, the sense of this, the, the way consciousness is present here with all that's happening. A friend of mine just wrote on Facebook a couple of days ago, a friend who teaches in California called Spring Washam, she wrote, be careful with your self-talk. It is a conversation with the universe. Very nice. Be careful with your self-talk. It's a conversation with the universe. And you know, the chitta field, your own consciousness is a universe. And one's own self-talk, the way we narrate our experience, is shaping that universe. And when we really tune into that, we tune into not just what your thoughts are saying, or the kinds of images or impulses that are being produced, but you start to tune into the effect they're having on your consciousness, moment by moment. It can be rather tragic, actually. Rather shocking, rather sad. And yet that noticing is really important, because that's how we learn, oh, I don't need to do that. The habit does that. But it's such a we actually really recognise the, the self-harm involved. And different ways, and one can do a lot of psychological work with one's self-talk. But in this way, there's, there's a, it's, it's almost like, it's not so much psychological, it's more actually we're trusting the goodness of our practice to let the chitta field harmonise. When we really see how painful that is, or how counterproductive that is, how it's just based on habit, that idea about me, it's not the truth about me, a lot of that stuff just loses its power. And in the same way that we were speaking about the body field becoming more harmonized, more fluid, more purified, the same then with the chitta field, it starts to be our, our own heart, mind, consciousness starts to feel like a welcoming place, a friendly place, a beautiful place. It's a beautiful thing to have a human consciousness. Precious thing. Extraordinary gift. And full of opportunity. And that, the reality of that, the recognition of that, starts to be, become more and more real for us. And it transforms our experience. It transforms our experience of ourselves. It transforms our experience of life. And transforms our experience in a way that needn't fuss about what's outer and what's inner. <coughs> and, and so we, we kind of learn to be in and be with, or just be this body field. To be in, to be with, to be this chitta field. <coughs> and so then the, the third aspect of that is what we could call just the whole field. Or a unified field, all-encompassing field, a multi-dimensional field, if you like the sound of that. 
<coughs> omnidirectional field. Sense of body, sense of the chitta, sense of the world, the sense of outer, the sense of inner, and just they all belong. And the sense that that otherwise per- easily permeates experience, that I should be somewhere else, some way else, somehow else. And then the kind of relentless attempt to catch up to where I think I want to be, or ought to be, or should be, or could be. That permeates a lot of conditioned experience, the attempt to be some way that's different, to be somewhere that's different, to be somehow that's different. We start to see that we're actually always in the right place. Here. In this fluid, edgeless body field. Here, in this wide open chitta field. Here, in the midst of this freely given life. So let's be interested in experience. Let's be here where it's happening. Let's find a free relationship to body mind, world, and each other. This is the promise and the real possibility of this practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.